Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Schreiber. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to day six of the Australian Open. And I can actually say welcome to day six of the Australian Open because I think for the first time this week, we are recording or at least starting recording before midnight. It is 11.44pm and you find us, myself, David and Matt, in Garden Square with the trickle of the fountain in the background, the sound of the big screen and uh, the final stages or what look like the final stages of Magdalenette against Ekaterina Alexandrova that the final match of the day on Rod Laver Arena. Lynette leads by a set and a double break serving 4-1, 40 love in the second set. That would be a, a heck of a win for Magdalenette to make it to the fourth round of a slam, I think for the first time that yeah. is Magdalenette knowledge off the top of my head don't <laughs> at me but I think that that is the case this is this is a very nice place to be oh, isn't it's it it's wonderful the temperature is just right isn't it as well it's I mean I, I, I put my coat on after I came out of the commentary box and I've taken it off again <laughs> just before midnight because it's uh, it's not too hot it's not too cold we've got a few beers on the go here we've got some crisps oh this is the seagulls that are above us. Oh, it's great. It's I, I think um, what I'm going to be able to secure this evening is my first mosquito bites of oh, yeah. the trip. Oh, you'll get plenty I was of actually those, thinking yeah, yesterday, wow, it's been nearly two weeks and I'm yet to be savaged by mosquitoes, <laughs> but I feel like, you know, they'll all gang up on me tonight. So that's something to look forward to, but there's nowhere we'd rather be and <laughs> there is a lot to talk about and once again... We're going to lead with Andy Murray because it's the last time this tournament that we'll be able to do that. And I think he's been the story of the first week, quite frankly. I know that Australians will perhaps see it differently and possibly we're seeing this through a British lens. But I think it's just through a sporting story lens. I think he this week has given us so much I really, really do. Across the three matches that he's played tonight, it was a four-set defeat to Roberto Bautista Agu. And I think, actually, some of what he did tonight, even being competitive in that match, winning the second set, I think might be the most extraordinary feat of the week from Andy Murray. I really do. Yeah, I I think I agree. I was uh, sitting next to Matt Futterman of the New York Times in the early stages of that match tonight and he described Andy Murray as looking like a friend who has run a marathon and and the following morning is trying to descend some stairs and (laughs) he also described him as looking like the tin man from the Wizard of Oz and I kind of thought actually I think he looks like the tin man who's run a marathon and the next day is trying to descend some stairs like it was that bad it was like it was like he should never do physical activity again he was so stiff and sore and I think he won one of the first 13 points in the match and I thought we were going to be in for honestly a bit of a thrashing and a bit of a sad sight and it, like, it, it was wasn't going to be competitive sight. at it all w- it was 
it was bonkers that he even won a, a game in that opening set. Quite frankly, he was so far off being competitive. It was, it was depressing. I was, I was thinking to myself, goodness me, it was a week ago to the day that we were watching Elton John, Elton John's piano physically move across the stage so that he didn't have to walk across it to get off for the outfit change and I was thinking somebody put Andy Murray's chair on whatever contraption Elton John's piano was on and get it to come to him rather than him having to walk to it it was a tough tough watch and actually when I was calculating the time he'd spent on court in the first two rounds it it amounted to 10 hours and 34 minutes and I was you know I was I was amazed at this and I thought that must be a record and then I remembered that John Isner against Nikolai Mahu was a first round and that was 11 hours five minutes on its own (laughs) and if you remember what John Isner was was like Mm. trying to play a match in the next round and I don't think I don't know whether he retired, but he certainly wasn't competitive in the slightest. Yeah, he lost in three extremely uncompetitive sets against yeah. Timo Debaca. Right. Yeah. Well, there, there you go. No offense, Timo, but <laughs> I mean that that says it says it all. And and you're right. I mean, for a set, it was a set and a half, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, in the yeah. first, second set, he was he was. It was still almost like exactly that. an hour. Basically, I, I, I've uh, medically diagnosed it as taking Andy Murray's body. Almost exactly an hour to warm up to sort of human type levels to 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 be fit to compete. Quite frankly, and even then, he was clearly in agony. I'd heard some reports that before the match that he his feet were coated in blisters after Thursday night. Um, I think Law Robson might have said that in, in commentary on the World Feed and he's just told us in press that blisters were a massive, massive struggle for him tonight. And it did look like, you know, the the Hans Christian Andersen version of um, The Little Mermaid that ends with a far less Disney <laughs> final chapter where every step is like she's walking on, on knives and broken glass. It it was like that. I, I was wincing every time... He took a step and he was struggling with his back, he told us, uh, impressed just now as well. And that affected him pretty much exclusively on the serve. He couldn't really hit a kick serve. He wasn't You could see that. He was throwing it up, up to it. his right and he was he was arming it over. There was no sort of launch upwards the way that you normally see with mm. the legs and with the back and the arch to get that topspin kick serve. He was just sort of coming around the side of it and getting the thing in. It was like a bit like what Rafa was like when he had that strain to the abdominal, you know, and he's just changed his action to accommodate. And he sort of made himself competitive in a different type of way because it was the only way possible. And on those blisters, he said he had seven or eight that oh. had to be drained. And Ooh, it, was, it, was, it was kind of... It was, he, 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 he didn't said post was, a picture of the fluid that came out of his blisters like Nick Kyrgios yeah. did. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andy. Um, well, not yet, anyway. And he said that like, after the Kokonakis match, he had three hours sleep. He went to sleep from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. And then he had to come in because he needed to get those, those blisters drained. Oh, God, imagine setting an alarm to get your blisters drained. <laughs> no, he, g- he gave he, a lovely speech about the importance of sleep, David, which I felt like was aimed directly at you. <laughs> I'm going to clip up the audio and I'm going to play it to you yes. every day. I'm going to have that every evening when I'm, when I'm thinking, oh, do you know what else we could do? And, mm. and then there'll be a sort of go to bed yeah. <laughs> yes I mean I feel sort of shamed by Andy Murray that I wasn't awake for Barbara Krejcikova versus um, who, who did she play Anna Kalanina um, Annalina Kalanina in the first match on the Rod Labour Arena that was like four hours after I went to bed he was and there he was there getting his blisters <laughs> yeah. drained watching it on the massage table <laughs> but somehow he won that second set Somehow you were commentating on it, David. I bet that was a rollicking good listen. I mean, it defied all logic, even more than coming back to win two nights ago, even more than saving match points against Matteo Berrettini. I'm not sure there's anybody else in the world in that physical state that could have made that competitive tonight. Well, and and it's compounded by who he was up against. Mr. Consistency, Mr. Metronome. <laughs> you don't want to be playing Roberto Bautista when you're in that state. And, and I mean, 
it made me feel as it was going on literally anything is possible with this guy and he yeah he, he sort of willed himself to play good tennis and to hit big big balls and to take the play away and he rattled Bautistrugu and the crowd started and he's eyeballing individuals in the crowd and he's sort of making it about the two of them together getting over the line and oh yeah, it, it was he, just do you know what it was there were two things it reminded me of I mean I obviously my mind goes back to 1991 Jimmy Connors and Ilya Nastasi saying Jimmy had what we all want just one more time and I, I and that came to me because we covered it in Tennis Relived for Friends of the Tennis Podcast recently, and I said that in commentary, um, that line from from Nastasi, and and it did, it just sent me back to to the reason that I fell in love with the sport, and to see Murray probably doing that for countless people tonight and a few days ago, and um, and 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 actually it also reminded me a little bit of Serena Williams in her final U.S. Open. Obviously, slightly different story, not the quite the same sense of finality, finality about it all. But I felt truly lucky to be able to commentate on it. And that's interesting. You mentioned Serena Williams because. I think the only two times that I can remember being in a stadium and there being a standing ovation for anything other than the end of a match was one Serena Williams in, in New York last year and today after Andy Murray won the second set. I mean, the whole stadium was just on its feet and it, and it felt appropriate. You know, it was, it was just levelling the match at one set all, but he had done something superhuman in, in that set I, I found him a little bit scary in that set Murray just the sort of depths and dark places that he was willing to go to I love that I love it when a player will go to dark yeah. places that it, I could own I couldn't do as a oh, just, oh, you went into a you know, black hole aside, aside from not being very good at tennis I couldn't get that close to my own sort of physical limits mm. there's just no way I obviously don't I don't remember that Jimmy Connors run but I do feel like I know it inside out via you David and uh, also of course because of the Tennis Relived episode that we did and it came to mind for me tonight I mentioned it to Matt I think after after that second set and it comes to mind to me even more now after hearing what Andy had to say in his press conference just now because I asked him about the sacrifice that he's put in pre-season to get in this kind of shape, to get competitive. Because once again, just like the other night, once his body warmed up, and it was slightly less so because even when his body was warmed up, he was still in significant pain with the back and the blisters. But once his body warmed up, the tennis was so good tonight. So, so good. The movement, the retrieving is close to vintage I think and the way he's thumping that forehand it's a proper weapon once again I know it's if 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 doesn't exist but it is different this is different tennis from Andy Murray and he told us about the sacrifice that he put in pre-season to be in this kind of shape and to be able to compete like this and I asked him are weeks like this enough to make that sacrifice worthwhile and to validate it the time away from home away from family you know that's addition to being in the on the road all year he went and spent three weeks living like a monk in Boca Raton and he's got four kids at home you know I said did do these matches these experiences these memories these moments is that enough he said I don't know I'm actually going to read out exactly what he said because Please I don't do. think there's I, I any, there, so any point in it. paraphrasing. Yeah, go for it. He said, I don't know. I think obviously you never know exactly when the end is going to be. I would like to go out playing tennis like this, where I'm competing with the best players in the world in the biggest events and doing myself justice. There were maybe times the last year or so where I didn't really feel like I was playing well and I didn't enjoy the way that I was playing. So those sacrifices and that effort that I put in allowed me to get through those matches and play at a high level that I think was entertaining for the people watching. I felt good about the way that I was playing. It's more enjoyable for me when I'm playing like that, when I'm coming into a major event and really believing that I can do some damage. But 
I can have a deeper run than the third round of a slam. There's no question about that. Obviously, draws can open up for you. I need to also help myself with that. If I was playing at this level last year, I probably wouldn't be ranked 50, 60 in the world. It's up to me to try and change that. Now, what I hear there is I'm in this for a Jimmy Connors type run. Yeah. That's what I hear. Something deeper than third round, something that carries on and gains momentum, but something that is authentically, definitively... Andy Murray and encapsulates everything that he is and has given to the sport exactly yeah. like Connor's run was. See, to me, he has had that this this week. It's just that it only lasted three matches and he expended so much in them that he couldn't extend it into the second week. And what he wants, is he, he wants the second week. And mm. when I was looking at the stats and realising it's six years, it's six years since he's been in the second week of a Grand Slam tournament... He is playing tennis that is good enough and he is physically in a good enough state at the moment to make the second week of a Grand Slam, in my opinion. This year, if if this trend can continue, if he can avoid a setback, the tennis is there. Agreed. Mm. Yeah, bring on the grass. Let's uh, let's get there now. I, I think like there are two big what-ifs about Murray's tournament that had they gone another way, like he could genuinely have got to the second week here. And the first one is in his control, and that was if he'd finished off Berrettini in three sets, you know, maybe even four, but certainly three, where I think he was there for the taking in three sets. You know, he would have shaved, what, two hours off off that match. And that's the thing, time. isn't it? And it's the, it's the same with when he's talking about, I've got to help myself with the draws and to get the rank in for the seeds. Even in the micro sense of a tournament, you've got to help himself mm. a bit and not have these epics as wonderful as they are. Yeah, and then that sort of leads us on to the second what if, which is outside of his control, and it's scheduling. And if he hadn't had to be on court at 4am the other night and he'd had a proper recovery time, he might have had even more of a chance than he did tonight against Bautista Agu. And, you know this draw has opened up I mean there's a very tough player waiting in the next round but Murray's tennis has been second week worthy I feel at this slam um, who even is that in the next round I didn't even look Tommy Paul Tommy Paul oh wow mm. but yeah I mean I just found Murray incredible tonight the way that he went onto court without a fundamental element to tennis you know being able to move really and yet it was like it was like it was, Matt it was, saw him backstage that they do that you know they show us that it's like Big Brother here there's nowhere without a camera and Matt saw the backstage warm-up shots he went oh no <laughs> he, he wasn't even you know the, the sort of mind games that you do backstage in yeah, the warm-up area wasn't bothering with those no, he was no doing skipping like tiny little sprints and just <laughs> puffing as they'd run 400 metres at full yeah. pelt and like but that just sort of meant that all his other sort of senses were heightened, I think. Like, yeah. his, his determination, his will, his heart were, like, bigger than ever tonight he, because he was compromised in other ways. And a bit like with the Connors run, he was using the crowd. He and was. actually, I, think it, I don't think Roberto Bautista was too pleased with him about it all. Because that was it a was a frosty, very frosty handshake. Very cold handshake. I don't think I've ever so seen Bautista pis- yeah. participate in a frosty handshake before. It, yeah. it really took me aback, that I handshake. I hug. Me too, and maybe because I was obviously so wrapped up in the Andy Murray of it all, I wasn't paying that much attention mm to how Batista Agut was handling it all. He who, celebrated big when he I won, mean, didn't he? That was an that was just a an outpouring of everything that had built up over the last three and a half hours because I don't know how a player handles it when ninety nine point nine percent of the crowd are cheering the other bloke and well, cheering your errors. He's got- experience of doing exactly yeah, that it's, it's exactly extraordinary. the same I, I, just, I have such admiration for him yeah, yeah it, it must have been a weird experience for him like I, I retired you four <laughs> years ago can't, we here. Don't, <laughs> yeah. can't you just go away <laughs> <laughs> well look all I can say is um, look I'm not the one that had to put the hours in pre-season and live a monk-like existence in Boca Raton although that sounds quite nice the weather in London in December was grim um, but it, it's certainly enough for me that Andy Murray's doing this. You know, what, what was it like in that what crowd? What he's given us this week. You know, I, I'm 
make no secret of it, he makes me feel things that no other athlete does. He makes he just makes you care. And increasingly so as this twilight of his career carries on and I'll I'll take as much of it as I can possibly get, quite frankly. Yeah, it feels like a bit of a gift really. Like I didn't get on the plane to Australia thinking that Andy Murray was going to be the biggest story of, of the first week and that he was going to move me the most out of all the players in this draw and that I was going to spend so much time watching him and thinking about him and, you know, maybe I should have expected it because it's Andy Murray and, and he does sort of defy logic so often. But, yeah, wow, Andy Murray. I hope he'll be in Indian Wells. He said his oh, next tournament he's scheduled to play is Rotterdam indoors so that indicates quite a full schedule to me you know not taking any time off you know if there is going to be a window to do that it's sort of in between Australian Open and the the Sunshine Double isn't it but I expect that we when we are there yeah thanks to Steve Fogel's international tennis tours and on location uh we'll get to see Andy Murray oh I hope so yeah, and over best of three. I mean, that's going to seem like small fry, <laughs> well, isn't not, it? He's not very good in Indian Wells, is he? No, he d- that's true. true. He doesn't that like Indian true. Wells. Hey, maybe in his twilight he'll get better at it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, do, don't rain on my parade, David. <laughs> he does like Miami. Yeah. So if you're an Andy Murray fan and you'd like to win tickets to maybe... I don't want to overpromise here. I don't want anyone suing us because we haven't delivered Andy Murray. But it's a possibility. You never know. You can enter our competition <laughs> to win a three-night stay at the Miami Open presented by Itau in a tournament hotel. You might see Andy Murray at breakfast. Yeah. Again, no guarantees Wonder what he on has. that front. Um <laughs> Eggs, I reckon. Okay. A lot of eggs, a lot of protein. Yeah. Uh, two nights stay, no, three nights stay for two guests with tickets to two full day and night sessions, premium hospitality, beer, wine, transportation to the venue, all included. Uh, the winner will be a newsletter subscriber. So subscribe to the newsletter if you're a US or UK resident to be in with a chance of winning it. And the link to enter the competition is toursfortennis.com forward slash podcast tours the number four tennis.com forward slash podcast and uh, whether you're entering the competition or not uh, Steve Fogel's international tennis tours are offering a five percent discount to all friends of the tennis podcast to all Steve Fogel's international tennis tours throughout 2023 so just buy tickets to all the tournaments and then you're bound to see Andy Murray at some stage and if you come to India Wells you'll see us you'll see us we'll be there Andy Murray or not, we <laughs> will be there. Um, let's stick with the men's draw, seeing as Andy Murray has led us there. As you said, Tommy Paul awaits Roberto Bautista good in the next round. Um, surprisingly one-sided victory for him over Jensen Brooksby today. I, it's not a surprise to me that Tommy Paul won. It's a surprise to me that the scoreline was as lopsided as it was. But I'm excited about Tommy Paul. I really like watching him play tennis why is that he's a bit different he's uh he's i feel like i feel like quite often when i'm watching him i go oh (laughs) wasn't expecting wasn't expecting that and that's (laughs) like he's at the net a lot and he likes tim hemman videos on youtube (laughs) and he cop tries to copy it and all that yeah yeah I've, i've always liked tommy paul's game he's got a lot of spring i think in his legs and a lovely backhand, a slightly quirky forehand. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a complicated man when it comes to tennis. The backhand list for men has started. <laughs> I actually think that the uh, generation of American men that we've got now have, like a lot of them, have got interesting games. Like there was a while there when American men's players it was had all a, a bit Steve they had Johnson, a serve and a forehand. Yeah. Uh, Steve Johnson being the sort of leader of that style of play Look, yes. an incredible maximizer but oh, it wasn't it wasn't you know, it wasn't there, there was very much an american pleasing. style yes. wasn't mm. there and and that it does feel i mean not to say that they're completely divorced from that francis tiafo and and taylor fritz etc but the, there does appear to be more of a mix yeah i think so and and Cordo, we talked about yesterday yeah, yeah. is nice to watch and jensen brooksby who tommy paul beat today is sort of quirky totally and interesting. different yeah. and yeah I, I just think 
I heard a quote from Jensen Brooksby after he beat Casper Ruud. I think he said it on court. Like, I really hope my next match is on a big court. And he was on court three today, which is a which is a really nice court. But it felt very under the radar compared to his match against Casper Ruud the other day, which was like sort of the story of the day session. And I think it was... I think it was a come down for him, you know. I think he he struggled, like lots of players do, to back up that big win and go onto the court again with the same intensity. And Tommy Paul was just sort of waiting for him and really jumped on him and won that match very, very convincingly. I feel like this is the first time for him in the fourth round of a slam. Is that right? Maybe once before. I've put us all on the spot here. Yeah. He, had a, he had a run at Roland Garros, and he's a junior. He's a junior French Open champion, isn't mm. he? He likes the clay. And that, that's one of the things that I find really interesting about him is that he really likes the clay. Mm. That's what I heard quite early on. And Brad Stein told me about that when I, when I interviewed him about Jim Courier for Tennis Three Lives last year. And yet, he looks really good on grass. So mm. he's an, he is he's a, a very good interesting mover. mix. His, his footwork is good, I think. Those little dance, dancey mm. steps. Yeah, to um, to confirm, he had a run at Roland Garros to the second round, so I'm not really remembering that very well. For the future, he's coming for your Roland Garros. And he has been to the fourth round at Wimbledon before, last right. year, in fact. Okay. I think that might have passed me by. But anyway, I mean, I'm sure we talked about it on the podcast at length, but I've forgotten all about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of tennis has happened between now and then. Um, there are other Americans to talk about from today, but we should probably cover the nine-time champion Novak Djokovic he was on court on the Rod Laver Arena taking on Grigor Dimitrov um, at the same time that Andrew Murray was on on the second court doing doing Andy Murray things look it was a, a straight set victory I think uh, Dimitrov might have one or two regrets about the opening set he had a set point in the tie break but basically it was very Grigor Dimitrov and it was very Novak Djokovic I think the story continues to be with Djokovic the hamstring, which he is absolutely not dampening down talk about. Every time he's asked about it, he says, yeah, it's really bad. Um, I I don't know what's going to happen, but I just hope that I can keep playing through it. Yeah, I, I was in the commentary box on Rod Laver Arena, the way it works when we're doing a, a match on the second court with Andy Murray there. We're watching that on a monitor, whilst out of the window is the, the centre court match with... Uh, Dimitrov and, and Djokovic and and look it started with Dimitrov really struggling for, 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 for his range and he got broken immediately Djokovic was a break up all the way through that first set and looks like he's just going to take it quite comfortably and then he did start to struggle physically something something started to hurt him in that hamstring plus Dimitrov started to play a little bit better he got the break back he took it into a tie break and I, and honestly if he'd have won that tie break I think we could have been still there right now to be honest because that would have obviously extended the match anyway I think it would have given Dimitrov some belief I think one of the, one of the problems for, for Djokovic at the moment and I think the reason he keeps mentioning it all the time is the same reason that Andy Murray doesn't hide that he's feeling like terribly he doesn't try to put a brave face on all this stuff it's scaring the living daylights out of Djokovic. A twinge, he's not used to feeling twinges. So when he feels them, he panics and he thinks it's a disaster and, he, and he's, he, his way of dealing with it is to share. He tells you about it, like somebody who, who feels rough and, and feels better when they talk about it. And I think Murray's the same. Um, how bad is it? Well, it's, it's just really difficult to know. And even he, in his interview... Um, afterwards on court he, uh, actually no I, I think it was with Eurosport I, I heard that he'd said that look sometimes it feels great and I run about and it's not hurting and then I'll do one movement that's a particular movement that sets it off and I really you know it really makes me stop in my tracks and, and so look Dimitrov extended him in the third set pushed him it was very Dimitrov to be honest Catherine he had some lovely moments the crowd loved him but he, he doesn't do an, enough to win these matches against those guys. I mean, he's, he's won one in 11 now against Djokovic. And, and really, that tells you everything. Yeah, I think it's just a question of who can, who can push Djokovic enough to really make the injury like a massive problem for him. And honestly, on, on his side of the draw... 
I'm kind of looking at one name, and that's Holgeruna. You know, because you know he beat a, a fit Novak Djokovic in Paris. He's got the game. I think the rest of the players on this side of the draw, unless Djokovic like really jars it or like worsens it, and he doesn't have the scar tissue. Yeah, does, I, he's got the opposite of that. He's got a recent victory yeah, over Novak but, Djokovic. But I mean, I even just think in terms of game, like yeah. push, like being able to push Djokovic enough. Like I think at the moment it seems to me that Djokovic can protect it a little bit by. By, like I've watched some of the points and sometimes he's not going for balls that he would normally go for because he doesn't have to be at 100% to beat Grigor Dimitrov he doesn't have to push himself to that absolute limit but I think if someone like Runa brings it with his confidence like Djokovic is going to have to be at his absolute best and that's where I think we're really going to test the hamstring I feel like Holger Runa somewhere right now is just champing at the bit to take on a slightly wounded Novak Djokovic he's just thinking let me at him I but, mean but he's he's still got Runa he's still, Ru- he's still got Andre Rublev yeah which is a very interesting match I favour Holger Runa I think he's just got more game but Andre Rublev is playing so well and it's as mentally stable <laughs> Yeah. As I've seen Andre Rublev possibly ever, because Dan Evans is a bit of a nightmare for him from a from a sort of concentration and getting into his head and just you know scrambling his eggs. It's a nightmare from that perspective. And Andre Rublev just wasn't having it today. Yeah. Dan Evans did not play badly. He just hasn't got the game that Andre Rublev's have had, and none of his tricks worked on him and I was yeah. very impressed with Rublev. I thought Ru- Ru- Evans played pretty well and, and it was um, a very very fine margin between them in the first set 5-4 Rublev leading you finally got the, the, the one break point and he took it job done set second set Rublev's up 3-2 Evans is 40-15 ahead and he and he got broken for 40-15 ahead and it was you could feel it coming it was like he, he was resisting Rublev, resisting, 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 and then finally the dam broke. And then he lost loads of games in a row, and he just couldn't, couldn't cope with the hitting from the baseline. Rublev was fantastic. He was seeing it like a football. He was relentless, not just rallying, but every time he got a rally ball, he would just put the pressure on. And like you say, he didn't lose his mind, and there were some opportunities for that to happen. I didn't... I didn't despair at watching Andre Rublev today. Oh, I well actu- done, David. I actually quite and enjoyed it. Everyone's <laughs> learning and growing. <laughs> yes. And that wasn't just because Dan Evans was on the court. You, no. you enjoyed Andre Rublev <laughs> he, as well. He didn't put me off with, with his behaviour and his, his self-abuse. I'm, I'm excited about that matchup. It's It's next-gen meets next-next-gen, which I always find fun. It makes me think of when yeah. Dimitrov played Zverev in Miami and there was this sort of sad look in Dimitrov's eye, like, oh, the next lot are coming. <laughs> Um, and, and I think, yeah, I think Runa beat Rublev en route to the Paris title, didn't he? I think he already mm. has sort of done that generational thing of, of beating the next gen as a next next gen himself. So, you know, Rublev will be out for a bit of revenge, I think, as well. Yeah, I'm, I, th- I think that's a great match. Just in terms of who Djokovic faces next, that's Alex de Menor, uh who won today against Benjamin Bonzi, three straight sets. Not all that much to say about it. Other than that, impossibly, in a in a nation where, you know, the Australians are hyped to the rafters, you know, the, the number of VTs I've seen about Alexi Popper in today and in the last couple of days, it's been, he's been leading the news, not just the sport, the news news, Alexi Popper in. Alex de Menor is massively underhyped here they take him a bit for granted I think because they're used to him maybe and he hasn't had big moments has he he hasn't beaten a Taylor Fritz at the Australian Open with a with a John Kane arena crowd he's he's consistent and reliable but doesn't have the big the big peaks and Mm. doesn't have the troughs either but it's who does he play? I don't know. The, the, I don't know if there's a disconnect. I don't know enough about you know what it is that Aussies really relate to. But he's sort of the only Aussie that isn't a sensation. <laughs> and yet he's, he's the last. One. He's their last one standing. Who's he yeah. playing? He plays, he plays Djokovic. Djokovic and, and, so. and they've never met before. Like incredibly. No way. Yeah. Despite yeah. 
you know, several years on the tour together, they've never never overlapped. This gives me my chance to talk about the, the Alex Diminor press conference that I attended at the first press conference of Media Day. <laughs> Off you remember, go then, do you David. Remember, remember when it clashed with Emma Raducanu and you said, you're really going to that? And I said, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, oh, we've got a, a helicopter ahead, overhead. We've got s- thousands of seagulls swirling around as well. Um, but anyway, the, the big thing that, that I wanted to get out of Diminor is, I've heard a few pundits, Todd Woodbridge, one or two others, wonder why he goes after his shots quite as much as he does given what a good counter puncher he is and how good a mover he is and they think that maybe he might do better by pulling his margins in and just being that wall of a player um and so i asked him i said what what do you think is going to take you from where you are to where you want to be? Because he made it very clear he sees himself in the future at the top of the game, like top five in the world, competing for Grand Slams. He's a massively ambitious guy. And, and I said, are you going to be better off being that counterpuncher, using your movement, or have you got to do something else? He said, if I'm playing the top guys, I've got to take it to them. So there oh. we are. That's, that's what he says. That's Consider that said. your preview for Duminor Djokovic. Yeah. So I feel, feel quite delighted Very now that I've managed to go to a, to a Duminor presser and <laughs> got, a, got a gem. <laughs> I, um, I, I hinted at it just now, but Alexei Popperin, the sensation, is, is no more. Um, he lost out to Ben Shelton, the, uh, the NCAA champion, on his first trip abroad. is into the fourth round of the Australian Open. Straight sets today, that is a massive balloon pop, I think, for, for Australian fans. I mean, Lexi Popperin was talking about going all the way. Yeah, what um, there? You know, Ben Shelton's obviously good, but Sounds talking like about all really the way good. and then losing in straight sets to Ben Shelton is extraordinary. Is, I mean, I, I still pop. don't think I've really watched Ben Shelton play tennis properly yet. I, I feel like he's staying in the tournament long <laughs> enough so that we get an opportunity yes. to watch. Yes. Thank you, because ben. he keeps clashing, and uh, <laughs> you know there will be fewer and fewer matches on, and we will get to watch him. I mean, I saw him a little bit sort of the American hardcore swing last year, but I think he's I think he's come on even since then, and I just felt like. Maybe his college tennis was actually probably quite good prep for that that environment on the John Kane Arena against the sensation. Like I think, <laughs> I think handling, <laughs> I think handling that atmosphere is part of it. You know, like he can mm, he can so he can be as good a tennis player as him, but in that environment, can he bring it? And look, I don't know a huge amount about the U.S. college tennis system but I do know that it can get pretty mm. hostile and I remember Cam Norrie of... talking about that actually before yeah, yeah very good be point a bit of sort of heckling and it, Look, I guess he I guess he dealt with it really well today he's got JJ Wolf for a place in the Australian Open quarterfinal wow that's pretty incredible and JJ Wolf has got Ben Shelton for a place yeah. in the quarterfinal yeah. like it's going to be really interesting that, isn't it yeah. and JJ Wolf beat another American today didn't he Mike- yeah Michael Moe yeah. conqueror of uh, of Alex Zverev we didn't get to see much of that but I think I mean look that that's an unexpected third round match either mm. one would have been an unexpected uh, last 16er but I think JJ Wolf is the is the better tennis player out of those two incredible athlete though Michael Moe a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. I'm very conscious that we, because of Andy Murray doing Andy Murray things, um, we, we haven't had as much time as we'd like to dedicate to the women's draw in the last few days. But... I feel like that is going to correct itself naturally because I feel like this first week in the women's has been a setup for a cracking second week. There haven't been many big moments, but it really I feel like I'm on the edge of a not a cliff because that sounds bad. The edge of something fun like yeah. a lovely swimming pool on a summer's day. <laughs> um I think second week is going to be great. Sabalenka Bencic yeah, I mean, got set up today. So crackers. Donna Vekic against a Fruvitova, the older Fruvitova, Linda. Yeah. She beat Vondrosheva today. Karolina Pliskova is still in the tournament, which probably means she's going to win the thing. Because <laughs> we haven't talked about her and she's just quietly winning. She plays Jung Shrai. Sabalenka Bencic is mouth-watering I mean, that, that, to me. Aside from Shantek and even maybe... Including Shantek, they are the two most informed players of the year so far. Yeah, they are because it's a match between the Adelaide One champion and the Adelaide Two oh, champion. <laughs> and uh, Sabalenka has not dropped a set all year. Uh, Bengcic has won all her matches apart from a close defeat to Igor Shantek at the United Cup. And if you sort of take it back further, she obviously ended last year by winning the Billie Jean King Cup as well. They are in great great form and, and and I watched them both today and I almost feel like playing Camilla Georgie is not the worst prep for playing Arena Sabalenka like power big power coming at you and it really made me realize how well Bencic copes with power coming at her like she can absorb pace so well particularly on the backhand of course uh, as a as a backhand list member she can do anything on that shot but also on the forehand, and I'm really intrigued by how that match will go because Sabalenka is playing extremely, extremely well. She she was pushed by Mertens in the in the second set today, particularly. But I think in the past she would have gone down a break there or lost that set, and she didn't. And had an existential crisis, right? Yeah, and, and she didn't. She sort of kept it together and came through it. And I just think you can see the progress mm. with her and. There was this line that she's only hit seven double faults in three rounds here. And I, I know we... What a we, difference a year can make. Well, because literally she served six in one game last year. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just think that really shows how stark the the improvement has been. It's it's amazing. And I'm so excited for that. There's also the, the intriguing Dmitry Tursunov element yes. there because he's obviously coached both players. And Bengtschik was pretty keen to, you know, be be pointing out that he's on my side now and you know he can prepare a tactical plan for me against her you were telling us Matt that in the on-court interview Belinda Bencic was gushing about the impact that Dimitri Tursunov has made to her and you know he clearly has but Laura Robson doing the interview said give yourself some credit Belinda Belinda, which I'm I'm glad she did that yeah she said look you're the one on court yeah a coach can help absolutely and I'm sure we'll talk in a minute about another coach who's helping another player. Oh, and, let's do you that. Know, we're very keen on coaches helping, but you know, I think the coaches themselves, the good ones anyway, would be the first to say it's also down to the player. 
you know they've got to they've got to execute and that's exactly what what Pam would say if she were here right now with yeah. us which we hope she will be in uh, in the second week we sh- she might be changing her travel plans don't want to jinx anything but <laughs> Donna Vekic is marching on into the second week of Islam and look regardless of where it goes from here this is massive progress for yeah. Donna Vekic she's around about 60 in the world isn't she it's nowhere near where she should be this is look it's what she should be doing fourth round of slams but you know the last few years of Donna Vekic's career has showed us it's absolutely by no means a given and it's massive that she's she's here she beat Nuria Parithas Diaz today who's tricky yeah I think you know and she was Donna Vekic was expected to win and she did handily She's and beaten everybody. She's handily, got an opportunity apart from now. The, the one. The one match was the epic when it was all the rain and everything like that. When the conditions have been as you would want them to be, mm. she is just taking care of business. Yeah, she was. She was awesome today. The pattern of both sets was the same. She went a double break up, and Puifas Diaz got a break back, but then Vekic just immediately broke again, and she was like dominating on on return I thought she served really well and also mixed in a few drop shots especially on on the backhand side which which I very much enjoyed of course um yeah Donna Vekic playing really really well and again she's another one going back to last year you know when she first sort of linked up with Pam it was in San Diego wasn't it and she had great results then and I think she's only had a a couple of losses since October last year and one of them was to Sviantec as well like kind of beating everyone that she should be and players ranked higher than her at the moment I, yeah she's just going to take some stopping Donna Vecchi we, uh, we just have seen uh, Magda Lynette through to victory there was a wobble there in that second set she had to serve for it at least twice but she has come through against Marketa Vondrosheva and she will be the next opponent for Caroline Garcia who she, she like Francis Giaffo yesterday she was my banker today in the newsletter predictions, I thought I just want some points. And again, I've started to feel that way against Caroline Garcia. Reliable, trustworthy. I was cursing under my breath. <laughs> and she lost <laughs> for the a little first 6-1 six, six, to Laura yeah, Siegmund. and Laura Siegmund is just looking like she's heard about the intensity list <laughs> and is flipping auditioning <laughs> for it. Yeah, she's known for that. <laughs> she brings it. She does. <laughs> We we had it on our laptop screen, didn't we? We were multi-screening in on the second court when we were watching Andy Murray. We were also keeping an eye on Djokovic. It was all happening, and Garcia was in proper trouble there. I think it was her serve that kept her in the match for a long time. Rallies wise, Siegmund had her. Yeah, I think um, she seemed really nervous and tight to me, Garcia today, in in the bits that I saw compared to how assured and confident and in control of her game she looked the other day against Fernandez, this was maybe this was just the test you know that you need that you need to pass and Siegmund is I'm going to use that word tricky I think she is she's, tricky. she's got good she hands is. and as you said I, I think she felt really aggrieved right at the end I think she got a uh, time violation ended up losing a serve and then won the point and seem to sort of fist pump in the umpire's direction you know like <laughs> you love that like there really was that sort of intensity to her i think this was a this was a really big test for garcia the that, thing is that she's passed Gar- garcia is a player when she isn't on who can be a bit of a mess really to watch and it can go off the rails dramatically and the fact that she i didn't see the match but the fact that she lost the 6-1 set tells me that she was pushed and she didn't respond well. But she blooming well responded well to turn mm. the match around and win it. And I think that that is something she might not be doing a year and a half ago. Oh, I think year. she could have lost that match yeah. easily. A year ago, a year and a half ago, maybe even six months ago, I don't know. Um, and she, she was asked in the on-court interview afterwards, you know, she was asked about her success at the end of 2022. And she said, yeah, that was great. But that was last year. You know... She's been through this before, having great success at the end of a season and it pretty much meaning nothing for her real ambitions, which is at these, at the Grand Slams, at the Majors. And I think she might have learnt from that experience. Such I, an interesting I, draw now. I, oh. I take back my cursing and I, 
I still do trust her. <laughs> yeah. Well, just just a quick look at her record here. I think this is the first time in her career that she's ever, that she's ever reached the second week of a major three times in a row. Wimbledon, US Open. That's big. I and think. now here, I think that's really mm. big. Like she's showing up at Slam. She's not. She's not taking bad losses. Um, is that not your stat? No, we've got a we've got quite a cool stat today. Yeah, we've got I a think. good stat. That's a great I, stat. I, did I help today? <laughs> Just pluck that on out of the air. Not really. I didn't help much today. I felt help? I yeah. felt part of Moral it. support. I, we had a conversation yeah. about you were there. It. Okay. I was, I was there. <laughs> you were in the vicinity. <laughs> Um, one last story from today to mention and I can't believe I'm doing this but uh, the Sitzpass brothers lost in doubles today to the top seeds it looked for a while like they were going to win against the top seeds Skubski and Kulhoff I was watching this well I wasn't watching it but I was watching another match on on Channel 9 in the um, in our Airbnb but Channel 9 were were really into the Sitsipas brothers playing doubles and they kept cutting to it and giving us updates and really trying to make Sitsi bros happen <laughs> as a nickname um, and I, I take by that tone of voice that I, it, it I came in happen. being you know making a snide joke about Sitsi bros and Matt goes Petros is really good. <laughs> Matt's into it. I've been, I've been won You've over. Been brainwashed. I know. Well, I, I went out to the to the Kia Arena because it was it was rocking. I mean, the Kia Arena is, is the closest court to the media centre here, and I thought, oh, I wonder, I wonder what it's like out there. And it was a circus. I mean, they were chanting "Sit, sit, pass, sit, sit, pass." It was it was great atmosphere, like the sort of atmosphere you just don't really get for doubles to be honest and I think even though Kulhoff and Skupski were on the receiving end of it I felt like they enjoyed it too you know playing in that environment and look Petros <laughs> he's obviously nowhere near as good as Stefanos but he played well in this doubles match I, th- I think he had to because you can target a player in doubles you, you know we've all seen doubles matches where there's a weak player and it'd be really sort of awkward he, he absolutely wasn't that he was holding his own in this match anyway um, and I mean N- Neil Skupski went even sort of bigger he said oh he's coming he's going to be at the top of the sport soon like which wow. sport <laughs> <laughs> he's the hardest working guy in tennis so anything's right. possible and will we never know if Petros has pre-signed <laughs> photos well, of himself to distribute on, keeps do they have team <laughs> he's got, they're going to win team a, photos they're going to win a match you I've, know. I've had a lot of um, messages today on various platforms telling me that he does indeed sign them himself yes. does Stefanos good on him and I think he good sends on them out you know this isn't the only use that those postcards get they also what, what, what else do they do what other function do they well, well I think serve? he sends them out sort of he writes them with to, letters to fans yeah mm. that's certainly what he told well, Jim Currer unsolicited or people that ask for them people that write to him I guess so I, I can tell you that. did he just that, send them out saying I wondered if you might like <laughs> I can tell you that that, that used to happen with Steffi Graf because I got one what? Back in her early days. Tell me everything. When, I was, when I was a young teenager. <laughs> what did it I was say? A Steffi Graf fan. Was it just her autograph? Did you write to her? Yeah. And I got a Steffi Graf signed photo back. Oh. Do you think she signed it herself? Have you still got it? Well, it had like felt tip pen on it. And it mm. looked like her, her, her signature, so I think it was. Have you still got it? I Possibly. <laughs> somewhere <laughs> yeah my, my brother listened to our segment about this on the show last night and he sent through a picture he said it reminded him of um if something he'd heard about steve martin the actor and comedian who apparently has and i've got a picture of it here like sort of business cards hand signed by him that say this certifies this certifies that you've had a personal encounter with me and that you found me warm polite intelligent and funny <laughs> <laughs> which i think is brilliant i mean the crucial ingredient there is irony and I think that's the element of the Tsitsipas signed photo situation that that I find a bit a bit tough. But you know, pe- people are enjoying it. Good luck to them. Yes. And just just on Tsitsipas and that match, <laughs> two hours forty five minutes he spent on mm. court today. Look, I know it's I know it's doubles. It's not as sort of physically demanding as as singles. But like, there's a. There is a reason, I think, why a lot of men's players, top players in particular, 
don't play doubles at the slams because mm. it's best of five and it can well the singles is best of five and doubles can take it out of you and Sitsipas has got a big match tomorrow and I think he'll be fine you know I don't think he's had that much tennis but that's a lot of time to spend on court the day before a really big match so I'm sort of just interested to keep an eye on that I'd be, I'm interested to know I'm sure we've probably asked Pam about this before but I'd love to know you know if there are if she feels it's a downside or, or a risk, or whether actually maybe it might help it. Mm, I know. suppose it could I mean, well. look, Barbora Krejcikova played doubles today with Katarina Siniakova, and they won, and they won quickly. <laughs> I mean, I think that's great. Faf-free. Faf-free. And, yeah. and I do think, you know, maybe one of the arguments for reducing men to best of three in the first week is that more top players might enter the doubles mm. like there's there's more top women playing doubles than top men and I think best of three best of five is a big factor mm. in that Sitsipas is very much an outlier here at this tournament playing Sitsipas is scheduled first in the Rod Laver Arena night session tomorrow against Yannick in it it's a great match but we do have feelings about tomorrow's schedule don't we 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 were very surprised when it came out. As, as, as you said, Matt, at the time, it felt like a really easy... I mean, I know it's easy for us to say, and there's lots that go into it, but the schedule tomorrow seemed quite obvious to us. I think there's a very clear match of the day. I, I was abs- It hadn't occurred to me that Svantec Rabakina wouldn't be first in the Rod Laver Arena night session. It, it honestly didn't cross my mind. It's on the Rod Laver Arena... Uh, but it's second up, not before 12.30, after a Legends doubles. <sighs> this was the chance. This was the chance to put Igor Svantec, the overwhelming dominant world number one, on the stage against the Wimbledon champion and get excited about it from a tournament perspective, from a TV locals perspective, to introduce these two players to their country and say these players need to be watched and and yes it'll be on yes it'll be on the on the Rod Laver Arena but we know what the the prime time slot is it helps that it's Sunday that it's daytime but it's still not the same and and I think it's a, a crying shame yeah here here yeah, everything you said yeah. I know people will say oh it's still Rod Laver it's a Sunday it's afternoon Exactly as you say, David, we all know what the prime slot is and we all know that the messaging that scheduling sends matters. As you said, they had an opportunity to say, this is what we think you should be watching. This is it. Watch other stuff if you like, but this is the one. And they haven't done that and it's... um it's a crying shame. Look, Sitsipas Sinner, I'm sure, will be a great match. I'm looking forward to it, genuinely. It's nothing to do with them, but they've not won anything. <laughs> they've Neither of them has won anything. Um, and, and scheduled you, and you after them a match get, that... You wouldn't get that in the reverse. You, is, you wouldn't. You would not get the world number one against the Wimbledon champion in the men's game shunted out for two players who've never won anything. No. Know, and there is and, and PS, there's a women's still. match scheduled to come on after Sitsipas Sinner, which we all know. And the reason they've put it there is that they hope it's an epic. <laughs> they hope it's a lengthy epic. They're, the the best case scenario for the organisers is that Victoria Azarenka and Julin are walking out onto court at around about eleven thirty at night. It's it's not okay. Victoria and, Azarenka's press comments might be interesting. Yeah, because she does speak out about these things. One thing I think we've learned over the last few days is how sort of indoctrinated and institutionalised these players are about the scheduling. Um, but I suspect Azarenka won't be, win did, or lose. Did Murray talk about the scheduling at all? Yeah, he did. He was quite solutions-focused today. He... Um, he he it, wants more sleep, Dave. He wants more sleep. He... He, he put forward some proposals starting the night session earlier, switching to only two sessions, uh, two matches in the day session, as they do in New York, to ensure that the day session doesn't overrun. Um, and you know, I, I think I think tennis needs to do more personally, but that there was so much that people wanted to ask him, and there wasn't enough time to press. You know, had I had more questions, I would have said. Did you see Quay Tiley's statement yesterday? Pretty much 
shutting down what he had had to say about the schedule um, at 4am the night before and have you had a chance to talk to Craig Tiley? Will you make a point of going to talk to Craig Tiley and 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 making the point? These it's, are things that I'd um, like to ask him. something for us to come back to in Indian Wells. Where we will be. Yes, we will. <laughs> Very good point. Um, so that's the night session tomorrow, as we said. Shrontek Rabakina are up first and then it's Hubert Hercatch against Sebastian Corda, Ostapenko Goff is the first singles match. Hey, that'll be on fun, the second Ma- court. Ima- if, imagine if Ostapenko starts to connect. I think Goff might have a <laughs> not so fun day but, at the but office. I just want to see Goff running down the bombs from yeah, Ostapenko. That could be really fun. She's obviously playing well to be in the fourth round, Ostapenko. I saw a uh, point clipped up of her mixed doubles, uh, and she was sort of going toe-to-toe with Michael Venus from the back of the court and <laughs> Michael Venus that. was not enjoying it put it that way <laughs> love that um, that is followed by not before 3.30 Hetchka against Felix Auger-Liassime I'm interested in that one really interested yeah. I think that's a test for Felix I think he could do the straight sets win make a bit of a statement but he's 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 tricky so could Netflix <laughs> he's the last one standing isn't he yep. last one standing uh, and last gripe about the scheduling out on the John Kane arena two doubles matches to start up then Yoshihito Nishioka against Karen Hashinov and then Jessica Pagula against Barbora Krejcikova which for me is the second best match of the day again there's a Grand Slam champion there <laughs> Barbora Krejcikova in the third seed and Jessica Pagula. Um, I'm sure there'll be a great atmosphere. I hope there'll be a great atmosphere, but no one's going to be watching it. We know that Channel 9 at that time are going to be showing her catch corder against Lehechka Orgelia Seam. Unless, you know, something unexpected happens. Those, they have two channels here, and those are the two matches that'll be on at that, at that time. And I know they've got online and, you know, they point people in that direction. But what you're showing, what you're choosing to show, on your linear channels still matters yeah it does it's a shame it's a shame but we march on and we're still pumped (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah despite the rants and yeah look it's great matches tomorrow and it's really set up for a a great a great week too we just you know got to get these things off our chest because it's important this stuff matters that is it (laughs) Man, I've enjoyed that. <laughs> that is it for day six. Six, just one day remaining in the first week. It is, it is past midnight. There's still tennis happening, obviously. Yep. A couple obviously. of sensations going but, uh, for it out there. <laughs> but we are done. We're very close to done. Except to tell you that our Australian Open mascot for the fortnight is Cordelia the cat. Hello, Cordelia. Uh, Zenia, my mascot. We scored points just by the skin of our teeth with Caroline Garcia today. David and Maisie, egg on their faces because right. Grigor Dimitrov. No, because of Dan Evans, actually. Oh. So basically both of the two people <laughs> I thought would win lost. <laughs> Matt Darwin. I feel better now that because egg I didn't or miss glory. Out. I've had a total mind blank. I think I got points today, but I cannot remember what I <laughs> predicted. Uh, hang on. Oh, Donna Vekic. Well oh, done. Wow. Well you, done Donna, to you. Thank you, Pam. Absolute well done to you, yeah. Darwin, Donna and Pam. Uh, Billy Jean is sponsored by Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss, who have touched down in Melbourne. Yes. Yeah, we're very excited about that. Um, we have our top folks, Jamie, Drew and Hannah. They're our executive producers. Hello to them. And Matt, we have shout outs. We have Odette Veneziano oh, in hello. New York. Odette with an O. Yes. All right, Odette. Love that name. That's that's superstar name. Yeah, very cool. Mm. You could see that on a poster somewhere. Could be a sensation. <laughs> <laughs> T- I tell you what, by the way, the sensations match against Glasspool and Helio Vara is fantastic. I'm watching it over your shoulder, Matt. It's great. Next <laughs> shout out, Matt. <laughs> We've got Martin Trickett, who is in Mahana, which is at the top of the South Island in New Zealand. Whoa, so cool. And Martin says that he's been playing tennis for over 60 years. He says, when I started, the tennis balls were white, good tennis shoes with a Dunlop green flash, and a top racket was the Dunlop Max Plea. 
Yeah. Love that. It's a, it's a sport for life. Have you, have you say, ever seen white ball tennis? I have because they, do you remember an ATP Champions Tour event yeah. in um, the, the Algarve? Yes, yeah, they, they, as a gimmick one marketing year. Marketing campaign. A marketing we're campaign. Gonna, they brought back white balls. We've and got old players, went, we're going to have old balls. And we just went, <laughs> oh, that's the reason why they got rid of white balls. <laughs> yeah, because you can't see what's <laughs> can't going on. see the tennis. <laughs> oh, Martin, thanks a lot. Martin, thanks. And the final shout out today is for a dog. Oh, uh, Mr. Cool. Kiwi Kiwi Little Dog. Whose owner has written? Say, whose owner has written? My dog can have this shout out in lieu of me. I want to see that shouted out over the local park. There's not a picture, uh, but they are from Walnut Creek, California. Oh, hang on a second! I feel like one of the American sensations is from Walnut Creek. Okay. I I on I. Google Walnut Creek tennis player. Walnut Creek tennis. Somebody, somebody, talk about something while I do this. What was it again, Matt? Mr. Kiwi Kiwi, what? Little dog. I want Mr. Kiwi Kiwi Little Dog. Katie Volinets yes. is from Walnut Creek. Catherine Rudgeuses. I knew it. That's impressive. I had no. And uh, she did lose she today. Lost today yeah. <laughs> she lost to Shang Shui. See you, Katie. <laughs> but anyway, clearly a tennis destination. Yeah, Mr. Kiwi Kiwi whatever's. <laughs> Little dog. Little dog. You're amazing. Please send a photo. Yeah. Yeah, we'd like that. Thanks for being our shout out. Thanks for being our shout out. Thanks to all friends of the pod for allowing us to sit here at a quarter to one in the morning and watch Australian sensations on the big screen and talk about tennis with you lot. It is our great, great pleasure. We are sponsored throughout the Australian Open by On Location. They've got their discount code for Steve Fogel's tennis tours throughout 2023 for all friends of the pod and of course we have that competition running for all UK and US residents who are subscribed to our newsletter wherein you also get Matt's stat and plenty else besides so do subscribe and of course we will speak to you tomorrow Hold up what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 